Welcome to Nairobi Chapel Embakasi. We grow deep to reach wide. Let me give a story uh, as to how probably the book came along. Uh, before I left employment to start my own company, that was uh, about five years ago, uh, I worked in an organization where we were helping people to plan for their retirement, basically an insurance company. I was in charge of sales and my work was to talk to employers, talk to individuals and help them plan for retirement. But basically just from a financial perspective, just a product. But then we started helping those who are retiring to convert their savings into an income. When you retire, that's what you do with your retirement benefits. You convert them into an income. And once you do that, it is just a transaction. You get this client, they bring the money, you put them in the payroll, and you don't need to interact with them ever again. Because on 26th of every month, they get their money. But I felt like we need to interact with these people. So I convinced my boss, and we decided to be hosting them once a year for a lunch or a dinner. So we did one in Nairobi, and then we went to Mombasa. When we went to Mombasa, we had very interesting conversations. And it was interesting to note that almost everyone was saying, I wish I had prepared better for retirement. There was just one or two people who seemed to be doing okay, but the rest of the people are saying, I wish I had prepared early. I wish I had saved more. I wish I had learned early to manage my money, then it would have been easier to prepare for retirement. And some even who had just recently retired were saying, I wish I didn't take a lot of money as a lump sum. I wish I put it more as an income. And as you are now trying to help them and see how they can still manage the little resources they have, one gentleman told me, you need to go back to those who are still working and tell them what you're telling me now, because they have an opportunity to actually change how their retirement turns out. And so I left, and that's what I do on a daily basis. So I work with individuals and families, and I basically help them to plan their finances. And we'll see some of the challenges that we all experience. I believe most of us have challenges with finances. And I do that from a biblical perspective. So what I know is that everything that works in the world has its root in scripture. And so we can actually learn directly how to manage our money from, uh, from scripture. So many of us will struggle from time to time with managing our money. Uh, sometimes we live from paycheck to paycheck. Sometimes we are burdened by that. Many times we lack confidence when we are making financial decisions. You know you need to do something, but you're not sure whether you're doing the best thing that you could. And many people uh, feel like they're drifting. The things are just happening. They don't seem to have control over where they're going financially. And sometimes we have a rude awakening when we make a, a costly financial mistake. Maybe you invest in something that doesn't turn out right. You lose out your capital or you spend too much, spend too much on a house and you only come to realize that later. These are common challenges that we experience. But our struggles are not just financial. We also struggle with work-life balance. We struggle with building meaningful relationships. May they be with family, with children, with friends, or even our own community. And also one thing that we, we tend to do a lot is to neglect self-care. Now, all these things will have an impact on how we retire. You don't have healthy relationships with your family, then you are going to be lonely. You're going to retire alone. You don't have a community, again, you're going to experience loneliness. You don't have friends, 
Um, and by friends, nowadays I qualify that. I don't just say friends who are your peers. Multi-generational friends, because your peers will be exactly where you are. If you can't go to visit them because, like you say, the knees are paining, their knees are as well paining, isn't it? So we need to build, we need to be intentional about how we live, knowing very well that there'll come a season where we'll be different, where we, our energy will be less, and we'll need to take care of that. And that preparation needs to start now, not then. Uh, others are struggling with life purpose and meaning. You're living, but you, feel, you have this nagging feeling that I don't think this is what I'm supposed to do. So you remain trapped in a job or a business, not because you enjoy what you're doing or because you know that's what you're supposed to be doing, but because you need the, the, the income at the end of the month. And some people live out like that until they retire, which is very, very, very sad. But some are surprised when their careers come to an end abruptly. We saw a lot of that in 2000. Uh, I think we shouldn't have been surprised by that. That's what I keep saying. It's just that this happened to the whole world at the same time. But each one of us, different people normally experience what happened during the COVID year at different points of their lives. The only thing that happened now is that it affected all of us at the same time and somehow we could see it. So sometimes we lose our jobs, we lose our businesses, we are able to bounce back, but sometimes you're not able to bounce back. Have you ever seen somebody who's been retrenched and they never got a job again? And they were never able to... Uh, to grow, uh, I mean, they were never able to go back to where they were before. So these are common challenges that we should anticipate and that we should see, and we need to prepare for them. And one of the things is that we don't know when we will retire, because we don't know what will happen. It may not be uh, just because you lost your job, your health could fail, and you're not able to generate an income. Yet, as Christians, we know that uh, God has given us everything that we need. And that is what we read in 2 Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 3. It says, His divine power has given us everything we need, everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Did you? I think we, we normally memorize the first part of that scripture. He has given us everything we need for a godly life. But how is it? It is through knowing Him. We have to know Christ. We have to know God. How do we know him? I think just what has been said, we have to read our Bibles. So do you know how many verses in scripture talk about money and possessions? There are 2,450 Bible verses that teach about money and possessions or use money and possessions to illustrate a truth. Now, what more do we need? 2,450. And in those verses, we have everything we need to, to know. For example, let me just give one example. Luke 12, 15. And this is what it says. Then he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. But how do we live our lives? How are we living our lives? When we read that scripture, do we take it literally or do we assume it's a parable? Those are some of the scriptures where <laughs> it's, it's not, a, and even if it was a parable, it means exactly that. Life does not consist on 
abundance of possessions. So what does life consist then if it is not abundance of possessions? Because growing up, you're normally told work hard, get a job so that you can have a good life. So if a good life is not making money, then what it is? We can read together in Matthew, one of the areas where Jesus taught about money. Matthew 6, and we're going to read from verse 19 to 33. And, and this is a scripture I struggled a lot with. And, and, and I kept on saying, yeah, it sounds good, but really, exactly how, how does this go? So we are going to read the whole, and then we are going to articulate a few things. So Matthew 6, 19 to, 20, to 33 says, teaching about money and possessions. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat, eat them and rust destroys them, and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be. Your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is good, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is bad, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. That is why I tell you, not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in the barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the fields and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying what will we eat and what will we drink, what will we wear. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. I think even if we close to there, it speaks for itself, right? So, why do we struggle? Why do we struggle? Of course the scripture sounds very good and I used to say, okay, this sounds good, but is it practical? And I struggled a lot when I was leaving employment. I'm leaving a secure paycheck, I'm going to start something, I don't even know anyone who does it, I don't know if I'll make money or not, but I decided to try and understand what this means. And I realized it is true. The person, if this was quoted about somebody else, maybe I would say something, but this was Jesus himself saying it. It is Jesus' words. So he's the creator of the universe. He's the one who created you. He's the one who knows what you need, and he's the one who is telling you, do not worry about these things. Then I thought, I think this is worth believing. If he says it, he will make it and he will do it. And in my life I have seen 
very, very many opportunities where I actually decided I'm going to test him. He says he knows what I need. I'll not ask for money. I'll ask for what I need, and he has done that. And I usually like giving an example of when I was trying to apply this in my life. I had just moved to Nyame Makasi, actually. So the curtains I had in my previous home could not fit properly the windows. So I said, you tell us to ask for what we need. I need curtains. And I prayed about it and left it. I remember a friend of mine who was in Tanzania, but she was going to UK from her master's. She called me and asked me, you the one who has maroon seats? I was like, yeah. Then she was like, okay, when I'm coming from Tanzania, I will come and spend the night at your place. When she came, she gave me curtains. Those curtains were perfect for those windows. I still use them up to now. And then after she went, I was like, oh, I forgot to pray for shears. My old shears do not go well with the new ones. And I remember praying, you provided the curtains, now provide the shears. And he actually did. When Janet went to UK, she remembered, oh, I forgot to give you the shears. Please go to my brother's place and collect them. And I actually got what I need. Do we believe these words? Because that is what uh, Jesus is asking us to do. So he has talked about treasures. Where you lay your treasure, there your heart is. And recently I was, I was told to carefully look at the order of words. It's not where your heart is, there your treasure is. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. So how do you spend your money? Where is your money? That's where your treasure is. So we say we love our families. Oh, I love my church. I love my parents. Where is your treasure? You cannot, we normally say how you spend money is one thing you cannot fake. It actually tells us what you value the most. So Jesus went ahead and told us then we should, we should be concerned about who we serve because there are only two masters to serve. It's only God or money. It's interesting he didn't pick anything else. He only picked money. So then it's no wonder then that he gave us so much uh, scripture to actually help us to learn that. So there's a, there's a verse there that is usually very interesting. I used to find it misplaced. Uh, that is verse 22 and 23. He's talking about lay your treasures in heaven. And then he talks about the eye. I mean, it just looks like, what is this? And I've been trying to think, what does this mean? And the understanding I have is that eyes give us sight, right? We are able to see. And from seeing, we can derive insights. And from insights, we can derive our perspective. So, in my understanding, it says, when your eye is good, your body is filled with light. If your perspective is good, you're filled with light. But if your perspective is wrong, and remember we are talking, we are in the context of money and possessions. If your perspective is wrong, you think you have light, but you actually have darkness. And how deep is that darkness? So it's important that you have the right perspective. The world teaches us about money, but God has the right perspective that we need to actually learn. So we'll talk about the five biblical principles. I'll just summarize them. And we see how can we manage our money. There are only five Bible principles, and these are spend less than you earn. You must have had your parents tell you that before you left home. Spend less than you earn. How will you know how much you're spending? then you must have a plan. How many of us have a spending plan? 
Yeah, wait a number. A spending plan is a budget. People don't like hearing the word budget. But if you don't plan where your money goes, then it means you're not in control of that. You need to spend less than you earn. How much are you spending on giving? Scripture tells us to give and to give generously. How much are you saving and investing for the future? Because there will be needs in future. How much are you paying in debt? How much are you paying in taxes? Do you know you can efficiently manage your taxes so that you don't pay too much tax without evading tax? You can minimize your taxes in a legal way. How much are you spending on lifestyle? Now, if you notice I've put those uses of money in a certain order, I started with give, grow, debt, taxes, and leave. But if you are struggling managing your finances, probably you use your money in the reverse order. You first leave. Okay, the good thing with Ken in Kenya, they take out the taxes first. The debts also, they tend to deduct the minute your money hits your account. But maybe you leave, then if something remains, you save, and if something remains, you give, isn't it? That's the wrong order. We need to start with giving. Giving is just an expression that God, yes, I could do more with this money. I mean, I have needs, but I'm giving this back to you because I believe you will meet my needs. And that is where our confidence is supposed to come from. That is principle number one. Principle number two is create a margin or liquidity. Most of us struggle financially, not because we don't have assets, but we are broke. The definition of the word broke is you have a need, but you don't have cash to meet it. It doesn't mean you don't have assets. Even rich people get broke, even with all the assets. So we need to ensure that we keep some money in liquid form because the unexpected will always happen. Uh, somebody will get sick, somebody will need help, a friend will need uh, assistance. If you don't have that margin, you will not be able to do it. And this is also what happens, that it's, you don't need a margin just with income, but also with assets. And I think as Kenyans, we are very fond of investing in illiquid assets. Assets that you cannot easily convert into cash. So you need to ensure that you have some that are liquid and some that are not liquid to ensure that when the unexpected happens, you'll be ready. And I think that uh, one of the parables that talks about that is the ten virgins. Uh, sometimes we live like the foolish virgins. We expect that the bridegroom will come on time. I mean, we decide they will, he will come on time. But sometimes he delays, isn't it? And we run, we run out of our resources. So we need to ensure that we have that extra that we have put aside for such a rainy day. Principle number three. Avoid use of debt. Are you in debt? Why are you in debt? What, what happened such that you ended up in debt? The Bible does not say, do not take debt. It says, avoid use of debt. And the scripture there is Proverbs 22, verse 7, that talks about, let me read it. Proverbs 22, verse 7. It says, just as the rich rule the poor, so the borrower is the servant of the lender. So scripture does not have anything positive to talk about debt, but it doesn't call it a sin because there is room for good debt. So Christ has redeemed us from everything. We should not willingly enslave ourselves, and that is what debt does. So we get into debt for various reasons, either because of a real emergency, 
that we could not have planned for, or maybe because we made some uh, poor planning, we didn't plan well enough. It could be because of peer pressure. Our friends have this, we also want to do that. Their children go to these schools, we also want to take our children there. Or it could be because of instant gratification. We want something and we want it now. So when it comes to debt, we encourage that we take debt that adds value to us. When you take that debt, you need to look at your balance sheet and see, am I becoming better or worse? So good debt is that debt, which when you use the money to buy an asset, it either grows in value or it puts money in your pocket. If it doesn't do any of those two, then it is not a good debt. But the problem with debt is not even all that. It is that it denies us or it robs God an opportunity to provide for us. When you need something, you don't have the money. What do you do? What's the first thing that you do? You have Fuliza or you call your friend. But God has told us, I will provide for all your needs. How many of us do we first pray and ask God, okay, I don't have this, I need it. And remember he said he will provide for your needs, not your wants, not, not everything that you fancy. So our faith, this is where we put our faith to action. He says that in, in, in Matthew where we read, he knows that you need these things. So sometimes all you need to do is just to remind him. So don't deny God an opportunity to provide for you. The fourth principle is set uh, long-term goals or manage your money with a long-term perspective. The resources that we have during the years when we are economically active are supposed to take care of us now, but also in the next season. Life is, I mean, comes in seasons. The first a third of your life, you spend it in school, learning, acquiring skills. Then the next 20, 30, or 40 years, you're working, but there'll also come a time when you'll not be able to work. You need to ensure that even as you manage your resources now, you're not just looking at this season, but you're looking at even the next season when you retire. And I'll, I'll later finally go a little bit deeper on retirement as one of the long-term goals. So it's important that we find out what does God want me to do in this life? Yes, he has told us to seek his kingdom, but we also know that there are specific things that we have been called to do. And if we don't manage our finances well, we will never be able to do those things because you won't leave your family without food to pursue God's calling. That is the human nature. A few people will have the courage to do that. But he has given us everything we need to manage our resources well so that we can free ourselves to actually focus on what he has called us to do. And the last principle is to give generously. That is the last principle. What kind of a giver are you? If you are to describe yourself, what kind of a giver are you? There is a, an online a test, generosity assessment you can get from Generous Church, and it classifies givers into four categories. The first one is what you call the distracted giver. This is somebody who really desires to give, but is afraid that they won't have enough, so they never get to give because they never have enough. The other one is me-focused giver who gives only where they will gain recognition. If no one recognizes them, they do not give them. But you also have those who are called other-focused. So what they do is that they first meet their needs and then they are willing to help others after meeting their needs. 
But the last category, which I pray is what kind of a giver you are, or if you are not, is what we should aspire to be, is what we call released givers. And these are people who believe what Matthew 6 talks about, that God will supply all our needs. And they actually go ahead and believe that God owns everything. And so they adopt a lifestyle of generosity and gratitude. And you can only do that if you're managing your money well, because you'll have planned on what to give. So we know that generosity is not um, natural, uh, even from a very young child, when you give them something and you want it from them, they will not want to give it back. So we have to learn to be generous. Generosity is also not random. It's not those random acts of kindness. We cannot call you generous by doing that. Generosity, if I may use uh, Pastor Andy Stanley's word, he says it is premeditated. That is, you have to plan it. It is calculated. You must set an amount to it. It is designated. You have to assign resources, either money or assets. And the last thing you must do is to release those assets so that you can actually be generous. So it's very, very important that we give generously. And that is what uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7, Paul was talking to the Corinthians and encouraging them to give generously. And maybe we could read that uh, scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7. This is what it says. Since you excel in so many ways, in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love from us, I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. So we tend to excel in many, many things, and sometimes we struggle with giving. So I pray that as you grow in all the other areas of your life, you will do that. And you will demonstrate that even by giving towards God's work. So, retirement is one of the long-term goals that I've talked about. We need to manage our resources with a long-term perspective. And as we, we saw from the beginning is that many people struggle. They realize that retirement, that they didn't prepare well. Actually, majority of people are not well prepared for retirement. A lot of research has been done, not only here in Kenya, but even abroad. Most people don't. And one of the reasons is that it appears like it's a long term. I mean, it's those days, I mean, a very long time to come. Yet, it just happens to us, and we realize that we are actually there. So we have to plan for it. But when we think retirement does, what does the Bible say about retirement? Very little. I think retirement only appears once in scripture. And this was given to uh, Levites, those who turned 50 years old, they were supposed to retire and leave the hard work because the Levites' work was manual work. It was hard work, sacrificing and all that. But they were not retiring to go and put their legs on a table. They were actually to remain in service and uh, pour in their knowledge and experience on the younger ones. So the Bible does not have the concept of retirement in the sense that we are supposed to continue working until we die. When we finish our work, we die. That's what we read about um, David. When he accomplished his work in his generation, he died. So as long as you are alive, then you're supposed to continue in service. So what then uh, is this whole issue of retirement? We know it's because of the shortage of work. Uh, we can't all continue working. 
we need to leave space for those who are coming behind us. And so for that reason, retirement has been designed as something you do after you reach a certain age and you give others an opportunity. So that means the opportunities for you to generate an income can actually come to an end. You might want to work, but you might not get the opportunity because you're supposed to be in retirement. So how then do we plan for retirement? Because we need to plan for it during our careers so that we are able to enjoy and, and, and this enjoyment is in terms of being able to be financially independent, being able to take care of your needs. Again, Paul talks about how we need to take care of our needs and not to be dependent on other people. So how are we supposed to do that? We have a four-step uh, plan that anyone can apply, regardless of your stage in life, whether you're just starting your life, or you are in mid-career, or you're about to retire. The first step you need to do is to evaluate where you are. And we, have, we do this evaluation in terms of what are the assets that you have acquired, what liabilities have you taken, uh, what are your incomes, what are your sources of income, where is money coming from, and where is money going in terms of expenses. So this is a financial uh, analysis of your assets, liabilities, income, and expenses. And when you look at most people, especially people in employment, they normally have assets in three forms. You have cash, uh, money in your bank, or money in your money market, money that you can easily access. Uh, we also have investments. Uh, people have put money in assets that grow and give them an income. We are talking of things like land, rental property, we are talking of bonds, amongst other things. And we also have retirement benefits, which are basically uh, retirement savings that are normally organized through employers. So many people intend to have those kind of assets. Liabilities depends on how much debt you're taking. Then you can cast, once, once you evaluate where you are, the next thing you need to do is to cast a vision for your retirement. Now, when we are young, we tend to cast a vision for the kind of life we want to have during our careers, right? We tend to be very vivid. I want to work for this kind of a company. I want to make this kind of money. This is what I want to achieve. Why is it hard? to think about retirement. You need to sit down and decide. And this vision can keep on evolving as you go about life. It's not casting stone. So what, uh, where do I want to live? Um, who do I want to live with? Who will be my support system? Which community will I live in? What will I be doing in retirement? You have to think about those things. And then once you define that lifestyle, I normally tell people, don't start thinking about the price then. Just think about it in today's cost. If I was to retire today, where would I want to live? What would it cost me to live there? Cost that lifestyle. And say, then it means I need 30000 to survive. In most cases, it will be much cheaper than what your lifestyle is today. So cost that lifestyle. And then that tells you, for every month you're earning today, you need to save for another month in retirement. That can be as simple as that. That is the simplest way of planning your retirement. That is in financial terms. But there are also non-financial aspects. How do I want to relate with my children when I retire? Am I building those relationships that will actually be supportive of me when I'm, I'm old? Or am I unavailable for them now? So they, they, this is the lifestyle they will adopt. You don't have to be there for people as long as you provide for them financially. And then they will make sure they provide for you financially, but you will need company. 
Friendships, am I building those friendships that I'll be able to enjoy later? And you have to think about those things. In terms of meaningful work, what will you do in retirement? Do you need to gain some skills? Because probably what you want to do in retirement is different from what you do. Do you need some exposure to some of those things? Uh, for example, if you want to go into business, do you want to start doing something small just to give you a feel of how business is? If it is farming, can you lease a piece of land here in Kamulu where you go and start planting vegetables and see how farming is all about? You have to think about such things. So once you define that, you have a figure, a cost that you can actually estimate this is how much it will cost me today, then you can actually invest and take care of other things. So once you have that, you need to think about what could go wrong with your plan, even as you make it. So we call that risk assessment. And there are many things that can actually go wrong uh, in terms of planning. And just to mention a few, there is inflation. I think we are really getting it now. We can see how bad it is. Those, maybe the last time we had this kind of inflation was in the 90s. So if you need 30,000 shillings today, probably in 20 years it will not be 30,000 to provide the same lifestyle. It, it will probably have doubled. Uh, things like taxation. The government keeps on introducing various taxes, so you might be saving in a certain way. For example, we've invested a lot in property. There never used to be taxes on property. Now we have capital gains tax. Uh, retirement benefits, we enjoy a lot of benefits, um, tax benefits on them. But recently, uh, they introduced that if you access your money as a lump sum, even after age 65, you pay taxes. Before, after age 65, however you access your money, you are not paying taxes. But now the regulation has changed that for you to enjoy that tax-free amount, you must receive your money on a, as a monthly income. So taxes could change. Investment returns, they could change. We have enjoyed a, a boom for a long time in property. Now property returns are practically going down. And not just yet, actually a global thing. Reinvestment opportunities. You could actually have an investment, but then when you get the money, you want to invest it, you cannot get a good investment opportunity. You could live longer than you expected. You could live to 100. Will your resources be able to take care of you? But this risk could also turn on the other way around. Inflation could be moderate. Uh, investment returns might not be as bad. Uh, your family could step in or they could move closer to you and you have all those things. So it's important to look at what could go wrong so that you mitigate against that. But amongst the things that could go wrong, let me just address one. We call it the dependence, the people who depend on you. Uh, this could be either your children or your parents. So if you're young and your parents are about to retire or they are, they are retired, you realize that if they, don't, if they don't have a good plan, that will trickle down to you. I mean, we are Christians. We take care of our parents, isn't it? So it is in your best interest to know about your parents' retirement plan just as making your own plan. Because if they don't have a good plan, it will affect your plan. So what does retirement look like for them? Are they ready for that lifestyle? How will they meet their medical expenses? Because that is one of the major challenges. Um, one of the discussions we don't like talking about is how do we distribute their property on death? What will happen if they haven't spoken to you? What will happen? And one of the things that affects our finances 
in a manner that it probably should not, is that our parents tend to have assets that they could actually use for their own healthcare. But because we've never had a conversation, even when they're incapacitated, we cannot sell those assets uh, to take care of their health. So we end up using our resources, and then they even probably do not have instructions on how they want those resources to be shared. So sometimes it's important to do that. Do they have a living will? A living will is basically instructions on what should happen if they are incapacitated. I have a colleague in the office who, whose mother-in-law passed away this week after four months in ICU. So most of them knew that she will most likely not recover. But she had a medical cover of six million, but the bill has gone to 12 million. So have your parents, have you had those discussions? Uh, in 2021, I was unwell, and I remember having a conversation with my daughter, and she, she, she was very shocked. I'm sure she was very shocked, but I was telling her, in case I'm so sick and I need to go to hospital, and if the only thing that is keeping me alive is the machine, I would want you to switch it off. Because if you don't switch it off today, if you switch it off two years from now, I'll still go. And I believe that if it is not time for me to go, even when you switch that machine off, God will keep me alive and will give people the wisdom to do that. It was a difficult conversation, but it would save her because for her there is no way she would think about that. She would use everything and then she's left without anything. And not even in terms of finances. Probably the quality of life that I would be enjoying, it would be so painful. So have those conversations with your loved ones. That is your parents. I know it is difficult, but God can give you the wisdom to actually have those conversations. Children, I think that's uh, the difficult one. You can have a very good retirement plan, but the one group of people who can be the greatest threat to your plan is your children. So how are you raising them? Are you raising them to be independent or to be dependent? I, I, I still observe parents today my age made some older than me. The children have finished school. They are ready to step out. They, can, they live in Kilimani, in Upper Hill area and all that. The kids want to go and start their life, but they can only afford to live in Kawangware or Don Home. And the parents cannot hear of it. So they tell them, no, 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 no. What have you lacked here? And some of these are, are young men. So you actually kill their ambition and their sense of responsibility. You've, you've, you teach them that they'll always be there for you, which is wrong. And for some, probably they'll outgrow that, but some just relax and they're like, okay, you take care of me? Fine, take care of me. I have relatives who are 35, still living with their parents. Of course, they are not married and all that. We need to be very, very careful. And especially, you need to understand your child. There are some who, when you make it easy for them, they'll stop working hard. But ensure they become responsible adults so that uh, later you don't have to throw them out. And you'll be throwing them out of your home when you'll not even be available to help them because you have, you'll have run out of resources. So God has given these children to equip them, to teach them, so that they can be able to run their lives. They're not supposed to be attached to us for the rest of our lives. So teach them about how to manage money, the big question that I hear a lot with parents, do I use my retirement savings to pay for their further education? I always look at that. Um, it depends. 
it's, it's, if you're using your retirement income to pay for their further education, what will you use? So it's, it's, it's neither yes or no, it depends on your circumstances. And also even as we think about uh, leaving our children an inheritance, because that's a godly thing. And most of us, we say we are working, many say we are working very hard to give an, an inheritance to our children. You can use financial products that will not need to take you so much time to be able to leave an inheritance to your children. For example, there's one product I normally give. Uh, recently, one of my clients put in 800,000 shillings for 20 years. In 20 years, it will be 12 million. So that is passive investments. You don't have to work so hard to get them land and all those things. If you use the financial products you have wisely, you will have time for other important things that you need to because what your children need is not money. It is values and you equipping them with the right skills that will enable them to go a long life. So, uh, help your dependents. Otherwise, if you have a good plan, that plan is likely to be the other thing we need to think about is then if we know the life where we are financially, we have designed the lifestyle that we want, we have costed it and we have factored in things like inflation and all that and we have looked at what could go wrong, then when we start managing our money, we manage our money in such a way that we will be able to fund that lifestyle. And that is why when scripture says it's a foolish thing to compare yourself with someone, it is. Because you have your own dream, isn't it? And somebody else has a totally different dream. So the kind of assets you'll be investing in are designed to provide you with a certain lifestyle. While your partner or your friend will be doing the same. And their, their lifestyle is probably totally different. God has called us to do different things. They probably want to go into something that will require a lot of money for you. Probably it's very, very different. So even the assets you accumulate will actually be different. So it's important to do that. So invest from a plan. Invest from a strategy. And that is what gives you confidence. But if you invest by looking at what everybody else is doing around you, chances are you're going to, to not to be confident about it. So invest accordingly, diversify, do not put your eggs in one basket. That's a scriptural principle. It tells us to cast our bread amongst many waters so that if one goes wrong, the other one will, be, will still be working. We saw that during COVID, property went down, fixed income investments were still good. So this might mean for those who like stocks, you'll go and buy shares and those ones will give you um, capital gains. They will also give you an income. If you, most of us should go into bonds because they, give, they, they preserve our assets and they also give us an income. Some people like property, go to property for capital gains and also for income if you have rental properties and sell those properties when they make those capital gains because that's the other thing. You invested to grow the money and put it somewhere else, but you don't. And we also have many other retirement benefits products which are designed specifically for retirement and I have addressed them in details in the book. So if you're starting your career and you have to choose employers, look for those who give you some of these benefits, pension benefits, uh, who give you uh, medical covers and save the money and be able to invest according to your plan. Take advantage of tax benefits. These are things that are given when, when you don't 
For example, save in a retirement benefit scheme, you're just paying extra money to KRA that you are allowed to keep if you save through that avenue. Uh, if you are in employment, you have retirement benefits, avoid accessing your benefits as you change jobs. That money was marked for retirement. When we access it, research has shown most people use it on consumption, buying a TV, going on holiday, buying a new car and those kind of things. Things you could still do with other incomes and build passive income. Passive income is that kind of income that you don't have to do anything to generate, to generate it. So for example, retirement benefits is passive. The only thing you do is put the money there, but you're not the one who is growing the money. When you buy a bond, you put money with the government, you get your income every six months so that you have time to take care of all the things and all the areas that God has actually given you. So with retirement, you'll need, need to reach a point where you liquidate or you convert your assets now in a form that you will access. And I think that is a challenge you see with many people. Uh, we are supporting our parents, not because they don't have assets, but because they don't want to liquidate the assets. You might not be able to change that, but for you, you need to realize that you are investing for a purpose, and that purpose is that lifestyle. So there'll come a time when you need to liquidate assets and convert them into other things. Now, I know that sounds um, simple, but I know it is not simple when it comes to you as an individual. And that is why scripture tells us, Proverbs 11, 14 says, where there is no guidance, the people fall. But in abundance of counselors, there is wisdom. So when you are unwell, you don't try to cheat yourself, do you? You know you don't have the skills to do that. You don't teach your children, yeah, last year and the other year you were forced to do it, but you are guided. You are textbooks and curriculum, you are supposed to do that. How much more about finances? Remember, Jesus said, you can only serve God or money. Yet, our system, education system, does not teach us about how to manage money. It teaches us to gain skills to make money. But once you have the money, you don't know what you're supposed to do. And man, money, again, is a heart issue, remember, isn't it? I mean, even when you get your own money, do you want someone to tell you what to do with your money? Why? Because it gives you control, isn't it? So this is an avenue we know that even the evil one will actually use. And that is why we have to learn how to manage our money so that we can be able to do those things that we are supposed to do. We are supposed to seek God's kingdom. And Ephesians tells us that God has, has created us anew in Christ Jesus. When you become born again, you are a new creation. And you are created to do those things that he created for you to do. Now, if you don't manage your money, you'll be so busy trying to put food on your table, you'll never have time to actually do what you are called to do. And that will be a very sad story. And when you're told to put where our treasure is, that is what it means. God has created us for us work with eternal impact that we're supposed to participate in. But many of us will miss that because our money is not in, in order. So as I conclude, during our careers we may not be able, or we may have missed to do what God has called us to do because we focused on money, but retirement presents an opportunity to actually do that. So we shouldn't, again, 
not plan, when we fail to plan for retirement, we are even now denying ourselves an opportunity when we would be having less responsibilities and we would actually be able to serve God and His purposes. So plan your finances well, plan for retirement, so that now, and even in retirement, you are able to do those things that God has called you to do. I will close by just reading Psalms 90. It's a scripture that helps me to put things into perspective. When you have time, you can read the whole of it. But this should give us a perspective in terms of how brief our life is and how important it is to know what is God's will for our life and we ensure that we do it. So we read uh, verse 1 to 6, 9 to 10, and 17. This is a psalm of Moses. He says, Lord, through all the generations, you have been our home. Before the mountains were born, before you gave birth to the earth and the world, from beginning to the end, you are God. You turn people back to dust, saying, return to dust, you mortals. For you, a thousand years are as a passing day, as brief a few night hours. You sweep people away like dreams that disappear. They are like grass that springs up in the morning. In the morning, it blooms and flourishes, but by evening, it is dry and withered. Verse 9 to 10, we live our lives beneath your wrath, ending our years with a groan. Seventy years are given to us, some even live to eighty, but even the best years are filled with pain and trouble. Soon they disappear and we fly away. Lastly, verse 17, may the and may the Lord our God show us his approval and make our efforts successful. Yes, make our efforts successful. We are here on this earth for just but a moment. What are you going to spend your life on? Pursuit of money? Or are you going to actually serve God? You need to learn to manage your money so that you actually are able to serve God. Join us every Sunday from 11 a.m. at Trubani House off Airport North Road. Have a blessed week.